Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 10. Can't believe we've already done 10, Richard. Wow, time flies. Time flies when you're talking about uh, Winston Churchill. (laughs) That's for sure. As we noticed uh, last week, we're probably not going to do two-part leadership profiles every week. I'm going to try to control myself. (laughs) Yeah. But I get pretty excited about leaders and biographies. Yeah, as as we know, as as we look at this 3,000-page tome. Oh, yeah, it's glorious. (laughs) So, uh, if you if you didn't listen to last week's episode, that was part one of our new series that we're going to try and do, perhaps once a month, do a leadership profile, and uh, talk about some of the biographies that Richard has read, and just some of the information and and the life of some great leaders throughout history. And so, this is part two of Winston Churchill. Last week we we barely made it through his adolescence, <laughs> um, but uh, this week we're going to look at uh, some of his older years and really where he starts to shine as a as a leader. Um, so, Richard, can you take it away on the uh, the more prominent years of Winston and and maybe what he's part of his life that he's actually known for? Yeah, well, you know, Churchill. Uh, it, for some people, especially, it's important to look at their childhood just because. It does drive so much of uh, what they become later. In fact, a lot of the great leaders uh, had difficult childhoods. In fact, uh, Churchill himself, when he was writing about his his ancestor, the Duke of Marlborough, said most great men come from unhappy childhoods. They just they're trying to overcome a lot, uh, t- trying to prove things to people. Yeah. But uh, but when you look at Churchill in his uh, adult and later years, uh, he's a person that like a lot of leaders, his strength also is his weakness. And so he, his strength is that he, he's courageous, he's willing, willing to take risks, uh, he's a fighter, he, he doesn't like sitting back playing defense, he wants to be on the offense. And so that can work in his favor at times. Uh, he's aggressive, he's going to take the fight to the enemy. At the same time, when you do that, you can also make mistakes. You can get beat back. And so... Oftentimes he was willing to take risks, but sometimes those risks didn't pan out, and which would lead to, to apparent failure. Uh, and so some of his strengths certainly was his courage. Uh, even as a young man, he realized that he, if he was ever going to be a famous person or be able to win political victories, he had to be a, a person with a reputation. And so even as a young man, he joins the army and travels around the world. Uh, goes to a number of uh, battlefields, uh, is involved in a charge in the Far East, uh, that uh, cavalry charge where he's almost killed. He goes uh, and fights in the Boer War in South Africa and is made a prisoner of war, but then he escapes and travels uh, overland, uh, in a famous escape. Uh, he ends up in Cuba for a while. I mean, he just he's all over the place. And he does a number of things that make him quite famous, really, is because of his daring. A lot of that daring, I think, comes from the fact that he was, he was bullied when he was a, a child. He was neglected by his father. And so he's desperately trying to prove he's a man. I sort of feel like it's a little bit like Theodore Roosevelt, 
who was uh, plagued with asthma and his father had to uh, take care of him. And, and so he, he's always trying to prove that he's tough. And so perhaps, yeah. perhaps the toughest president uh, in some ways was one of the biggest sissies as a child. And so, hmm. so Churchill does a lot to, in his, his youth uh, to, to prove he's a man, that he's tough. Even his drinking, uh, people say that he learned in the army that uh, if you're a real man, you, you're a drinker. And so Churchill is sort of famous for drinking. Uh, he, he started off the morning with uh, scotch or <laughs> various yeah. hard liquors, uh, and he drank all day long. Uh, when they hit a real uh, financial tough spot in their marriage, his wife told him he's going to have to cut back on his alcohol consumption because it was uh, costing quite a bit and he he drew the line at, at one bottle of champagne a day yeah you know <laughs> he said i just don't think i can go be, below that but that's moderation <laughs> i'll tell you what but uh so he develops this sort of hard living at least persona but he but he is a courageous man and he's fearless and that's proven over and over again but also uh because of that he he tries a lot of things and a lot of times it's not successful and, and ultimately, that leads to some political setbacks as well. But then when it comes to the military, uh, he, in World War I, for instance, is in charge of the Navy. He, he is the, he, one of his greatest failures was that in the, in the, uh, the killing fields of World War I, uh, you know, the, the generals, had, they, they couldn't think creatively. All they knew how to do was what they'd always done. And that led to trench warfare that, I mean, basically hundreds of thousands of soldiers were just mowed down uh, by machine guns and, and cannon fire on those killing fields between the two trenches. And the generals didn't know what else to do except just keep you know, hurting more soldiers to their certain deaths. Uh, and Churchill actually decided to try a naval attack back through uh, the Dardanelles uh, that uh, were back over by Turkey area. The only reason, m most people who look at that move um, believe it, it might have been the, the most brilliant uh, tactical uh, move of the whole war. But the problem was it was so daring that uh, the army was hesitant uh, to back it up, back up the Navy. And so it ended up that because Churchill was only in charge of the Navy, not the, not the uh, army as well, that uh, it was not coordinated properly, and so it ultimately it failed. And so everybody always criticized him and said, how can he lead anything militarily when he had such a horrible setback? But hist historians look at that and say that that uh, attempt, he, what he was trying to do is to come around the backside of the, of the enemy in, in their weak spot, and, uh, and if he had been successful, it would have turned the whole war upside down. Hmm. And so it was a very bold move, and his problem was he wasn't all he wasn't in charge of everything yet, and because of that he couldn't make everybody do what he said. Yeah. And so uh, ultimately it led to a failure, and uh, for years later, even when he that was in World War One, in World War Two he was still being criticized for that because of that failure. But uh, but but Churchill. In fact, he, he ultimately had to resign from his head of the Navy after that. And uh, in disgrace, he actually joined the Army and fought on the front lines for a while in World War I, which was a killing field. He was the kind of guy who'd go to the hard places and, uh, 
And people always liked working with him. Uh, the soldiers always liked working under him. Uh, Churchill had a way of inspiring people, even in the most gloomy of places. Uh, he would boldly be you know, spying out and surveying the, the, the territory where people would be trying to get him to take cover and protect himself. But uh, just had a fearlessness that inspired people. Yeah. Uh, and in World War I, he, he is credited as inventing being the, the first real promoter of the tank. And again, in World War One, it would have it, it was not used wide, widely. Yeah. But uh, in World War Two, it became it, it basically prevented fighting from getting just bogged down in trench warfare again. Tanks could sort of overcome trenches and machine gun fire and break through lines, and and he is the one that really pushed it in World War One. Of course, they were very rudimentary tanks, but uh, Churchill was always exploring and willing to try new things, which in a lot of military establishment, you didn't do that. You just went with the tried and true principles, even if they now they were continually failing. And yeah. so that was a lot of it. And, and when you notice, uh, you know, he's like a lot of people, like uh, George Washington. Washington lost more battles than he won, but he won the important ones. And Churchill's kind of like that as well. He, uh, in... Uh, the beginning of World War II, once he takes over, the, the leadership of Britain before had, had continually appeased Hitler. They didn't want to fight him. Right. They were trying desperately to, to give up anything just to not fight. Well, Churchill comes along, and he's willing to fight. And, and he does uh, launch a number of different attacks against the Germans, but he doesn't have, uh, you know, he's basically all alone, just the British at that point, the only major power. Russia is allied with Germany at that Germany at that time and the United States isn't in the war and France is out of the war so he, he has limited resources but he still tries to keep launching different attacks and most of those don't work the first uh, two or so years most of the assaults that uh, Churchill launches fail uh, and so you could look at his record and say well he loses more battles than he seems to win but the fact is he's a fighter. Hitler always ha kind of hated Churchill just because he was the one guy that wouldn't be bullied. It didn't, you know, even if he was grossly outnumbered and uh, everybody told him he couldn't win, he'd still be punching back anyway, yeah. e even just for the sake of just striking a blow. Well, and I think you can see how that really inspires your followers if, if they see you out there on the front lines really swinging and going at it. Like, that. that's certainly an, uh, an inspirational quality to have as a leader yeah. to, to just go to go take the fight to the other side. Well, I think sometimes, you know, the fact you're just not willing to quit, the fact that you're not daunted by the enemy, that you're constantly pursuing answers and solutions, and you might not have them yet, but you're not giving up. Uh, as a leader, yeah. I think that, that inspires people to say, this guy's got fight. Yeah, and I, and I think it would be good to make the distinction between just just being dogged about something and never changing right. and constantly failing versus what what Churchill does is he keeps trying to find the right solution for the problem. Right. So he he may fail a lot, but he doesn't back down from it. Like he gets back up and tries something else and tries something right. else and tries something else until he finally comes to a solution. And, you know, in World War II, after Germany defeated France, everybody was waiting for Germany to invade Great Britain. They 
fully expected that Hitler would launch an invasion across the English Channel. And so everybody's common thinking was, let's build our defenses. Let's get ready for the invasion. Uh, let's not uh, deploy any of our resources fighting in Greece or some Norway or some other place because uh, we need all of our defenses here in England. But uh, Churchill refused to sit back and just wait for Hitler to come attack him. Uh, he he kept wanting to take the fight somewhere to the continent or to Africa or just hit, hit Hitler somewhere, keep him mm-hmm. off guard and keep him having to fight somewhere else, which... Uh, probably in the in the long run did help. It's always been the problem of people like Hitler and Napoleon. They could never get their continental armies into England. They, they could never get across that channel. And that was always has been the defense of England is there, the fact they're an island. Yeah. But uh, so instead of just sitting back, he he took the fight to Hitler. And there, there's a book, uh, and, you know, there's a, there's a, a series of books on Famous people and leadership. It's, it's it's a certain leadership genre. There's a book called Churchill on Leadership. Uh, the subtitle: Executive Success in the Face of Adversity. It's written by Stephen Hayward. Uh, I've got a number of those. They're they're okay to read. They're they're sort of a mix of biography and uh, and leadership writing. I've got one on Robert E. Lee on leadership. On the founding fathers on leadership. I've got one on Spurgeon on leadership. Uh, uh, there's a number of different books like that, you know. Writ- uh, sometimes they're a little slanted, um, and of course, but they 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 usually highlight some of the well-known facts about leaders. And so, the one on Churchill is um, it, it sort of pulls from the biographies, but it it does emphasize some things. One of them being Churchill is a person of action. He he wanted he wanted to act. He didn't want to discuss. He didn't want to just have another meeting. He was the kind of person that when you had the meeting, it was, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, and I think that does separate great leaders from mediocre ones. Some leaders want to consult about action. Uh, great leaders take action. And Churchill uh, oftentimes pushed back with his military generals. He always had his own opinions. And uh, for the most part, people feel like he was always one of the best informed people in the room. He read voraciously. He got up every morning and read all the incoming reports. Uh, no, when he was in a meeting, few people probably were better informed than he was. And he would push very hard for his ideas. But uh, it's it said that uh, if his generals stood up to him and said, no, we can't do that, uh, rarely, if ever, did he override his generals. He'd push as hard as he could and uh, try to win his case. But if they just just said no, uh, most of the time he he didn't override them. Uh, he did listen to counsel. In fact, he really kind of liked, he, he was seen in some ways as a bully. You know, he at one point with his own son, he was talking away and his uh, his son was talking and, and, and Churchill interrupted him and his son uh, pushed back because he hadn't finished what he was saying. And Churchill famously said, stop interrupting while I'm interrupting. Uh, uh, he, he, he could be a hard person in the conversation. He dominated uh, the conversation oftentimes. But uh, at the same time, if his generals just held their ground, then he he yielded ultimately. Uh, he recognized expertise, and he didn't want to break up the chain of command. And uh, but he wanted you to debate him, and he he wanted people that would push back with him. And yeah, who, not people that were just stubborn, but people who had done their homework and right. had thought things through and 
And so Churchill was often bouncing ideas off. And at times it could drive his subordinates crazy because it was like he had a hundred different ideas every day. And maybe only one of them was a spectacular idea. You had to weed through 99 that would have been disastrous or just uh, misinformed. But then there was that one jewel of an idea that uh, just could be a turning point. And so he was just this guy constantly thinking. And you got to realize he was a senior adult in World War II. So yeah. this senior adult uh, who could just be living in the country, in his country estate, Collecting uh, drink, seashells and painting and, and uh, drinking, drinking scotch. <laughs> uh, instead, every day, this guy is just, his mind is going all the time, trying to think of a solution. Uh, he's working late into the night. And uh, I, I, I think that, that also just is inspiring. And so it's easy to find quotes and actions of his that were disasters. And it, it'd be easy to pick him apart and say, well, actually more of his ideas were bad than good. Uh, but he, he did surround himself with people that would cull out a lot of those bad ideas. He would let people override him if uh, they really pushed back and saw that there was uh, some uh, some danger in what he was suggesting. Yeah. But uh, he was able to push through enough ideas that were, that were good ones and daring ones. Uh, and I think he sort of felt like that was his role was... He'd seen World War One, where the, the military leaders were way too timid and uncreative. World War One was one of the most uncreative wars probably ever fought, hmm. where where people were just stuck in just a bloodbath, but they couldn't think of anything else to do except pour more soldiers into the killing fields. And Churchill, I think, was just determined that we've got to be more creative than that. We There's got to be other ways uh, to fight without just needlessly costing yeah. a lot of people their lives. And, and uh, Churchill was a very compassionate person as well. He was aggressive. He was a fighter. Uh, but he also grieved over the loss of British soldiers. Uh, he knew he didn't have a lot of them. He didn't have nearly as many as Hitler had of his soldiers. And uh, he didn't want to, 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 to waste them. But, and he certainly didn't want to lose a life needlessly. But uh, at the same time, he was a fighter. And he knew that uh, Churchill... Or that. that uh, Hitler needed somebody who would stand up against him. Yeah, and uh, Churchill, for a time, was about the only uh, big-time leader that was willing to do that. Right. Well, it, it, it's interesting because it sounds like he's taking the philosophy that a lot of technology startups take today, which is sort of the ethos is you know fail fast. Yeah. You know, so you just fail and keep going. That was the great thing about uh, Churchill. He had a famous quote where he said, uh, "Success is uh, failing." Uh, repeatedly, but without loss of enthusiasm. Hmm. And his uh, philosophy was keep failing, but then if you keep failing long enough, you're going to come across uh, success. You'll, right. you'll stumble on the right answer. And so Churchill, very much that describes his life and his career. Uh, steady failures, repeated failures, and yet ultimately great success. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple more questions, but let's take a quick break here, and then we'll... Uh try and wrap up Churchill. All right. <laughs> Twice a year, Black Bee Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. If this sounds like something you're interested in, the next workshop dates are October 24th to 26th and registration is open now. The early bird rate is available until September 30th and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackbeecoaching.org. 
We'll also leave links in the show notes. Well, there's just a, a ton of information and there's a ton of life lessons, I think, that we can learn from Churchill and especially a lot that we can apply to our own leadership. Uh, something we've already touched on is the, the failing fast and mm-hmm. um, not being afraid to attempt things. Uh, what are some other lessons that we can uh, apply from Churchill into our own leadership? What can we take away? Well, I think maybe just the overall uh, lessons from Churchill. One is that uh, find what your purpose is. Churchill always felt like there was a purpose for his life, something great yeah. he was destined for. And uh, it wasn't really until he's about 66 years old that he finally gets to that point. Everybody else had given up on him, but he still believed there was some there was a contribution that he needed to make, some great contribution to society and history that uh, that God put him on the earth for. And it took a while uh, for him to find it, but he never lost that hope and that confidence. Mm-hmm. And he, he was also never discouraged by failure. Uh, he never He never quit. I think that's... A huge lesson for people is just don't quit. Yeah. You, you may have had some huge adversities. Uh, Churchill faced bankruptcy a number of times. In fact, uh, one of the, his chief sources of income till he was prime minister was libel suits. He was always being slandered and, and uh, maligned in the press, and he would constantly launch lawsuits protecting his name and reputation, and he, he typically always won those suits. Uh, and, and I mean, he fought so many of those, it actually was a primary source of income for him. <laughs> and so he's being criticized and misrepresented and mocked, uh, and yet he doesn't give up. He doesn't lose hope. Uh, and, uh, and then certainly, as we've said, he was a person of action. I know a lot of leaders who love to cast their vision, love to talk about uh, their, their dreams, but they don't get to acting. And Churchill got restless when people just talked. In fact, he was famous... Uh, for demanding that any of his people reporting to him put their reports on about one page of, of paper. He didn't want to read through reams and reams of, of paper. He wanted to have them get to the point. What is the point? What should we do? Just state the facts and then have your recommendation for action. And uh, I think that's a great lesson for leaders. Uh, reduce everything down to the basic, here's the issue, here's the possibility, Here's the action that I recommend that we take. And uh, get up from every meeting with an action plan. Yeah, and I think that's great even for people who may not be the leader, right? but who are in an organization where they have the opportunity to share. Yeah, and I think, you know, even if you're, uh, you know, maybe you're a middle management or lower management person, or just you're you're invited to the table at any level. Yeah. Uh, before you leave the the meeting, ask yourself. So what am I going to do about this? You yeah. might not be in charge, uh, but there may be. If you're at the table, if you're in the meeting, then it may well be that there's something you can do. And so don't just sit in meetings and then walk away, just having and, and do nothing as a result. Always be asking. So what action should I take? Uh, maybe it's a minor action. Maybe you're not the key player, but. Uh, but there might be something that you could do. Yeah. And be- become a person of action, which is what Churchill was. And at a time when everyone else was giving up, in fact, even his own party, there were those suggesting that uh, he should just work out the best peace terms he could with Hitler. Uh, when he first became prime minister, one of the very first issues was just work out an, uh, an honorable surrender to Hitler. Yeah. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. There's still things we could do. We're not going to stop acting. Uh, we're not going to quit. And, and I think that is what 
his key role was. He'd never quit in his life, and now England needed somebody who was willing to refuse to quit as well, but to say, there's still something I can do, so I'm going to do that. And so I think you could take that away to say, at whatever stage in your life or your leadership, uh, there is a purpose God has for you. There is something that you can do. Don't be discouraged. Just do that one thing. And, and today, you might not win the war today. You might just win a, a small skirmish today. You might just yeah. hold on today. But in time, if you'll just keep on doing th- that one thing that you still can do, it could lead to a huge breakthrough and even a, a, a glorious victory down the road. Well, that's great. And, you know, we're going to try not to, to make every leader profile a two-parter, <laughs> uh, but I think we'll, we'll give special uh, privilege to Winston and yeah. uh, all, all that he represents. And So thanks for, for taking us through his life and, and just drawing out some of those key principles that, that we can take away and uh, start applying today. And I hope this has been helpful for you uh, as you've listened. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.